leading up to Christmas in the Advent season, we are going to pause on our series on David, and we will resume it in the new year. Can you all handle that? Just a pause in the story of David. You can keep reading about David in your Bibles. You can keep studying the Psalms. You can keep doing that while we take um, just take a minute to reflect, take a long minute all month to reflect on Emmanuel, God with us. Um, that's a time, extraordinary God, indescribable, unimaginable, set the stars in the sky. I mean, knows them by name. I mean, God is phenomenal. And we, even in worship today, we just got to sense a glimpse of that holiness, that majesty, that just otherness that God is. And that creator of the universe humbled himself, became an ordinary man, a babe born of a woman, called Emmanuel, God with us, somebody we could touch, Jesus, someone we could touch, see, feel, hear, flesh, just like us, humbled himself. And he would hang from a cross. We, there was that emphasis today in worship that this God, this amazing God comes and humbles himself on the cross, dies, covers our sin, redeems us, pays for us, everything we could do wrong, everything that we do that messes up and violates God's image and will in us, Jesus comes and redeems it on the cross. And I had this passage and uh, the worship leaders um, sang this song today. It was so cool. Revelation 21.5. Jesus is seated on the throne after he's resurrected, resurrected and says, I am making everything new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. He's making everything new. Hallelujah. Does that not give you hope? I don't know about you all, but I need things in my life to be made new all the time. <laughs> so as we pray today, as we enter into um, just this time of reflecting on scripture, let's read this passage or say this prayer together. Caleb, if you could put that up, if you'd like to read it with me. Holy Spirit, our teacher, as we continue worship and explore your word today, would you awaken our hearts, expand our thinking, and shape who we are and what we do tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, amen. So today I want to talk about Mary, ordinary Mary, but before I talk about her, I am going to link us back to David because Jesus is called the son of David. And so long before Jesus was born, there were lots of prophecies, lots of words saying this, this son of David is going to come. This son of man is going to come. This, this Messiah is going to come. And we see it in the story of David in 1 Samuel 7, 11 through 13. The Lord declares to David, this is the Lord speaking to David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God is speaking about Solomon building a temple but he's speaking way beyond that and saying, you're going to have a throne. You're going to have a family whose kingdom will be established forever. So long after David and Solomon die, 
The Jewish people are looking. They're looking for that hope. They're looking for that, that peace. They're looking for that rest. And they're looking for this person who's going to have a throne that is established forever. And they, while they look for him, they say, are you the son of David? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one coming who's going to make everything new? They're just on the lookout for a thousand plus years. I get so impatient, you all. I'm impatient today. I'm like, Jesus, where are you? Come. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what is happening? I need you. I need hope. I need peace. I've got things. I got issues. I got problems. My family has them. My community has them. Our nation has them. Come. Hope. Peace. Son of David. He came. But this is what they knew he would do. They were like, he's going to build this incredible and extraordinary kingdom. Isaiah said the son of David would be born of a virgin. That was one sign they had. Jeremiah said that he's going to establish a new covenant, a new way of relating to people. Daniel said the son of David is going to come at a very specific time, a certain time. He had the years marked out, the days marked out. Zechariah said this, this Messiah is going to come, the son of David is going to come on a donkey in humility, not on a horse to conquer people's will, but on a donkey to conquer people's hearts. David said in Psalm 110 that this Messiah was going to rule over his enemies. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 52 and through 53, he was going to carry our sins and suffer in our place. He's going to take our suffering to that cross. So for the Jewish people, this promise, this vision, seems way too far off. And then this baby comes and there's stars in the sky. There are things happening. And this baby comes and this baby grows in favor and grace with God and human and the people around him. And they, people start calling him, are you the son of David? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? But I want you to hear this. Jesus doesn't refer to himself as the son of David. Everyone else, there's blind people in the road saying, son of David, son of David. There are people bowing at his feet, son of David, son of David. But Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, the son of humankind, the son of mankind. He says, I'm the son of man. And that fulfills another prophecy in Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Daniel, this prophet, has this vision. At night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I felt that today in worship. I was like, I feel presence. I feel authority. I feel glory and, a, and power. And we want to worship it. Isn't that amazing? All these years later, we can come and worship in that way. But Jesus called himself the son of man. This title, what does it speak to? 
He's an ordinary, speaks to ordinary humanity, just like me and you, flesh and blood. He probably cried when he skinned his knees. We know he cried before he went to the cross. But it also speaks to his heart for all peoples his and his extraordinary sovereignty over creation, nations, and powers. So our theme this year is ordinary people, extraordinary God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how awesome, how majestic, how incredible God is, but how he comes to ordinary people like you and me and does extraordinary work of making things new. He comes to individuals like Mary and Joseph. Today we're talking about Mary. He comes to groups and people groups like shepherds. He comes to all of us as a lamb to be slain for the sin of the world. But before I talk about Mary, I was um, talking with Michelle and we were talking throughout. Um, she's been helping with some Christmas decorations. She did the bulletin. Thank you to Maggie and Kay who've done bulletin boards for us this time. Um, Michelle has put up a beautiful bulletin board in the hallway. We're so thankful. Um, but here's the thing about Michelle. <laughs> To Henry and Henry Sr. and Henry Jr., she's spectacular, extraordinary. To me, she's a friend, so I think she's, you know, incredible. But you know what? She's really ordinary, just like the rest of us. She works hard. She has dreams. She has hopes. She has challenges and problems. She's just ordinary, just like the rest of us but there's something new for her that's been happening lately. And Michelle, why don't you come up and you can t tell us about that. She just, it's just, um, yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle. And yes, it's exciting to be able to share this with everybody because I feel happy. I'm so happy that Christmas is here. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm happy that Christmas is here because I'm feeling a way different Christmas. This year, this last year, God has opened my eyes with so many things. And surprise, Christmas is one of them. Since the season began, I noticed this new feeling. It's a feeling of happiness, joy, excitement emotional because our savior was born that's why we are celebrating and now when i look around and i see all the decorations i see people getting together i see jesus and it's so beautiful at the same time i'm shocked because i'm like wow for so many years um celebrating christmas and believing in jesus I was overlooking the principal reason, but no anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Mm, thank you. <laughs> she just came into the foyer so excited. In the past, I was overlooking the real meaning. I didn't see the real meaning of Jesus being the savior, Jesus. And it's like, just over this past year, um, Michelle's just been having encounters after encounters and encounters with Jesus. And she's seeing Jesus. She's seeing 
the salvation story, the Emmanuel, God with us in a whole new way. And that is just my prayer for each one of us during this Christmas season, that we will have that new look, that new hope, that new peace while we do the festivities, do the decorations, but let our eyes be open, Lord, to what you are doing. Mary has this encounter with an angel and afterwards she sings this song, Luke 149. I'm just going to say one line for now. The mighty one, the extraordinary one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I'm praying that as we go through this Christmas season and come out, we can all say the extraordinary one, the mighty one has done great things for ordinary me. And what was ordinary once will become extraordinary. So why did Mary sing this song? Because this angel appeared to her <laughs> with news. Think about the times that you've received news. Like you can have all sorts of different feelings about different times that you've received news, right? Um, there've been times when I've received bad news. Um, I mean, it's living on the planet, right? quoting Princess Bride, life is pain, princess. <laughs> we all know what it feels like to, to experience bad news. Um, it's like a punch in the gut, isn't it? There have been times like I'm welling up with emotion right now thinking about times that I've received bad news and I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. You know, what an awful feeling. But then there's other times when we get good news, maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe it's a big sale. Maybe it's a breakthrough with somebody we're caring for. Maybe it's telling your kids, we're getting a puppy. I don't know what it is. I know we're obsessed with our dog. I'm sorry, everyone, that you keep hearing about it. But it like brings joy. It brings life. When we have this revelation of Jesus, it just is like happiness, joy, like, wonder. Mary was an ordinary woman from an ordinary town called Nazareth and a back place called Galilee. It wasn't on the path to Jerusalem. It was way off in the distance. And this angel shows up into her normal routine with news. Honestly, if you had an angel show up, you might be wondering, is this a puppy or is this bad news? <laughs> you know, I mean, she, it says she was troubled. It was, she was troubled. She was like, what is this news? I, I don't, I don't know how to absorb this is kind of what she said to the angel. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, but this is what the angel says to her. Luke 1, 28. This is the line I want you to remember today. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verses 29 through 33. Mary was greatly troubled. He says she's going to have a baby. He's going to be the son, Emmanuel. I'm skipping some verses. Oh, it's coming up. Sorry. <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of news this could be. <laughs> But the angel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you hear in that passage all the echoes of those prophecies from the past? Here he is. Here's the son of David. Here's the son of God. Here's the one who has a kingdom that will never end. And Mary's like, uh, <laughs> how can this be? How can this be? And the angel goes on to describe how it's going to be. And she's like, this is going to be birth in me. This ordinary person is going to carry this hope and wonder of a kingdom that will never end. What is her response? Luke 1.38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This morning, as we were sitting here during worship, I knew which, which verse I was going to be talking about, right? And I just was like, I'm your servant, Lord. May everything you have said comes true. You love me. You know be my name. You're making things new. I just let it be true, Lord. I am your servant. Let it be. So into Mary's life comes this extraordinary experience, this promise of favor. How many of us feel like we need favor? We need God to make something new in our lives. I want to talk to, about Mary and this idea of favor. It's the same word as the word grace. It's called charis. Grace, joy, goodwill, loving kindness, undeserved favor. It's also used for the word thanks and thanksgiving to give thanks. During my preparation for day, I was reading the children's church curriculum too, because we're on the same path as children's church this month. And so you can talk about what your kids learned and what we talked about in here, and we'll all be on the same page today, which is fun. But I was thinking about this idea of favor and grace and I realized, I always thought, I, I don't know why, but I always thought Mary somehow deserved this message from God, that she'd done something special. And we do know she was humble, and God elevates the humble, so we know that. But other than that, there's nothing that says Mary deserved a thing. There's nothing that said that she earned it, or she'd somehow garnered God's favor, because Everywhere else in scripture, this word favor is used for people who have no favor, no grace, no goodness, but they're given this free, undeserved favor from God. Maybe she was just simply favored by God, just like you and me. Maybe she's just like us. You who are highly favored, Mary is a picture of what God wants to do in us. Later, when she's pregnant and she's visiting her, sis, her cousin, Elizabeth, it says, this is the song she sings. This is Mary's song. We sing it every year. 
Luke 1, 46 through 55. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's like, I'm humble. I'm a servant. But from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Wow. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from thrones and he's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She's a humble servant. And she says, the mighty one has done great things for me. My kids like to use this term flex. Like, ooh, you're flexing, huh? You're, you're showing your strength. You know, that's, that's the word they like to use. And there's no place in the song where Mary's like flexing. Like, look at me. Like, huh. <laughs> they do all this fun stuff. <laughs> No, she's flexing in humility. <laughs> she's being vulnerable, vulnerable about her hunger. She's talking about God dealing with his enemies and taking down the rulers and authorities, the oppression of her people. Here's what I want us to hear today. This favor, this grace is offered to you and me and us all the sin, all the problems, all of the unanswered questions, the pains, the messiness of this life, there's grace and wonder and joy that can come in and help us. This grace, it's unmerited favor. It's undeserved. But God wants to give it to you and give it to me. The wonder and joy that Mary experienced thousands of years ago and that Michelle is experiencing today, that's for all of us. It's offered to me and to you. In the New Testament, the Bible split into two sections, in case you didn't know. There's this Old Testament and this New Testament, and the New Testament describes this new covenant that was promised by, through God, to, by God through Jeremiah and fulfilled in Jesus. The New Testament is all about grace. You could do a word study forever if you looked at all the places, charis, grace, favor, thankfulness, joy is mentioned in the New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple quick snippets of it. I love um, <laughs> the story of grace is so extravagant. I was like, how extravagant is it? And all I could think of Clark Griswold and Christmas Vacation. <laughs> right? How extravagant, how over the top is Clark Griswold? He puts so many lights, so many decorations all over his house, all the lights. That's a movie in case you haven't watched it. Christmas vacation. It's horrible. It's stupid. I don't know why I watch it every year. It's funny, but all these lights come on and what happens? The power in the city goes out. The nuclear power is reactivated, you know, 
all that stuff. That's how extravagant God's grace in the New Testament is for you and is for me. That's how over the top this message is. We were decorating our own Christmas tree this year. <laughs> and usually it's just Aaron and the kids and I and the puppy, of course. But this year we had Lydia and another friend, Elijah, and they're watching us just stack the ornaments on the tree. And I'm, I'm usually like things minimal. You know, I always dress kind of plain. I like things minimal. And they're like, you guys put a lot of ornaments on your tree. And then, and then I come out from the basement with a whole new box of all the colorful bulbs. Like they hadn't seen, and they're like, whoa, you put that on there too? I'm like, yeah, over the top abundant. That's God's grace. He wants to lavish it on us, the Griswolds and the Ruds. That's grace. <laughs> the epistles, all the letters, they often open with this. Here's an example from Ephesians 1-2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What if our greeters, when we come in the front door every day, what if our greeters are like grace and peace to you? In other words, you're favored. Peace is yours today. What if we said that when people came in? It might sound kind of religious. People might not know what it means, but we know what it means. Grace is yours today. Peace is yours today. Romans 5, so much about grace in the book of Romans. So since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, we can flex on this. Woohoo! The hope of the glory of God. That's what we do when we worship. We're flexing on the hope of the glory of God. Because of his grace, we have access, free access to God. We, have, we can enter into peace when we say yes to him. Romans 5, 20 through 21. The law in this old covenant in the Old Testament I was talking about, it was given so that we could see. It was given to them, but it's also for us. So we, they could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, and as people continue to sin more and more, let's be honest, we do. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Don't you love that? Like the worse we sin, the more abundant God's grace becomes. Thank you, Jesus. I need that. Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death. Now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Now that's a kingdom rule that I'll take giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, God. The more we sin, the more his grace abounds. Second Corinthians 9, 8, a whole nother book to a whole nother people group. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. You want to do good things? Tap into God's grace. Ask for his favor. Ask for his joy. Ask for his peace. Say, oh, Lord, help me today. I want to do good stuff today. 
Let your grace abound in me. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. I should have titled this No Flexing But the Right Flexing or something like that. Because we get to boast about God, but we don't boast about ourselves ever. You know, like what good? I, what good? It's Jesus. Colossians 3.16, and it's tied into this Thanksgiving. Let the word, this is what we do when we worship on Sunday mornings. This is what we come together. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ, Jesus, and his word dwell in us richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I love that song, I believe. That's like a hymn. We're teaching ourselves. This is what we believe. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the power of the gospel. That's what we're, we're like, come on. We're, we're encouraging one another, admonishing one another when we sing that song. But listen to this last line, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's the new King James version. The other one says singing with thanksgiving in your heart to the Lord. There's some connection between thanksgiving and grace. Do you need more grace? Do you need a greater revelation, a wonder to see grace again in a new way? Just like Michelle is seeing the wonder of Christmas in a new way. Do we need to see grace? Let's enter into thanksgiving. Like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. I receive it. And then an example of a finishing line. So when you leave today, the greeters, this is the end of Galatians, the book of Galatians to another people group that Paul's writing to in the New Testament. Galatians 6, 18, how does he finish his letter? He says, brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We want this grace deep inside us on a spirit level. Amen, Brian. I love it that he sits back there because it helps me look at the camera. <laughs> Brian's going to have to be saying amen to me all day. <laughs> um. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be within our spirit at this deep level. Here's the deal. Another thing, thinking about Mary and preparation. I'm like, if she wasn't, if she didn't do anything to earn this favor, then he could have picked Susan or Joanna or Hannah or, you know, I don't know. I don't know, I'm imagining, right? This is not, this is me, this is Sarah thinking about Mary, right? <laughs> Could Mary have said no? Could Mary have said no? Did the angel try three other doors and knock at three other doors before he got to Mary? I don't know, this is not, please don't take this away like doctrine about Mary, please. But I like to imagine what it would be like 
to be in that place in time. What we know is that Mary had an opportunity to respond or not. Just like we have an opportunity to respond or not to the grace of God. God doesn't force even his favor or his grace upon us. Psalm 23 says his goodness and mercy are chasing after us. It makes me feel like, are we running <laughs> from his grace and mercy? Are we, like, do I have my back to his grace and mercy? Because Jeremiah 17 says that when we turn to the Lord, when we trust in him, we will see goodness and mercy. We have a choice. We have a choice. God wants to give you favor today. Let's read together Luke 1 through 49. If you wouldn't mind reading with me. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. This is the reality. This is the truth. This is my witness. There are lots, and this was Michelle's witness. This was our worship team as they were leading us today. As, as Mike stood up here and was like, oh my. <laughs> I'm like, the, I'm witnessing the presence of God today. <laughs> I'm experiencing it, feeling it. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy. It's like, <gasps> do we dare talk? We can't do announcements right now. <laughs> do we really talk about announcements right now? And like Jesus is in the room. <laughs> but Jesus fed people. Jesus did announcements too. He's like, go do this, go do that. You know, he had announcements too. So announcements can be holy too. <laughs> but we have a choice. Could we put up that last slide, I think? Caleb, thank you. We have a choice. We get to say this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I just want to take a couple minutes. Kathy, would you mind just playing something with us? Or just softly in the background. I just want to take a minute or two. Caleb, will you keep the slide up, please? For us to say yes to this or no. Or no, God gives us choices. Let's just ponder. Mary pondered these things in her heart. We need space sometimes to sit and think. Do I want to be the Lord's servant? May I want the things he said to come true. Do I want to be highly favored? Do I want to receive that abundant grace?
I just want to speak a merry blessing over you. May we be aware of our hunger. May we be aware of where we are poor, where we are needy. May you be aware of where there's oppression. But may you be able to sing, the mighty one has done great things for me. The mighty one has done great things for me. Extraordinary God has come to ordinary people. And may, may you have the grace to say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. May you walk in thanksgiving and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. All God's people say, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today, for worshiping with us for taking time to reflect, to pause, to experience the wonder. If you would like prayer, we have a prayer table over here and some people who'd be willing to pray with you there. You can talk with me. You can talk with any of our worship leaders, with our greeters, Stephen, Brenda. Go in the grace and peace of the Lord. May his grace be in your spirit, be with your spirit. Amen. Amen.